0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for March 8th and 9th, 2020, 316, 2 Timothy 316, Scripture. Good morning, Connection Church. Today we continue to um, explore uh, scriptures that include chapter 316, that's our focus this uh this Lenten season, various books in the Bible with 3.16, the chapter 3, verse 16. Today our focus, Second Timothy 3.16. We're going to be talking about scripture.
1: Good morning again, Connection. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we humbly stand before you as we share today's message. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain? God, settle us in that we might hear your word found in scripture, that we would have clarity and focus and purpose all based on you. We pray this in your holy name, your precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. So. It's a book that's actually a collection of 66 books that were collectively written over a period of about 1,500 years. Divided into two parts, the old, 39 books there, and then the new, containing 27. It's estimated that over 6 billion have been printed since 1815. Best-selling book of all time. Over 100 million sold or given away in the world each year. Million. As of October 2019, it had been translated into 698 language languages. The new part alone had been translated into 1,548 additional languages, and smaller portions have been translated into yet another 1,138 languages. Of course, the book we're talking about, the book we're talking about this morning is the Bible, the most important book ever written.
1: You know, we went to the Bible Museum a couple months ago and learned so much. And one thing, as you were sharing about how many languages it's been translated into, there are even more that it hasn't been. That's the
0: tough part, how many still have yet to be translated into. My heart
1: just broke as I looked at all the countries that don't have a translation of Scripture. We are indeed so blessed. So what makes the Bible so important? What makes reading the Bible so important? Well, a good answer to that is found in our Scripture for the Morning, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work.
0: All scripture is God-breathed. The New Testament goes back, we, we have the Greek translation where we get it from the Greek, and the Greek for this is theo theo-neustos. theoneustos. theo means God, neustos, that comes from that same root as like pneumo or pneuma, which means breath or wind or spirit. God breathed. All, all, all scripture is God breathed. In other words, versions translated as God inspired. And we have to say, what does this mean? God breathed or God inspired? Well, what's written in the book, in the Bible, is from God breathing on the writers. God inspiring the writers through the Holy Spirit. And it's, and it's interesting how God does this. As he speaks through the writers, and yet somehow they maintain their individual styles. Isn't that interesting? God's working through them, and yet as you read through the scriptures, you see individual styles. For example, God speaks through Matthew in the New Testament, through Matthew to tell us Jesus' story, while Matthew is able to maintain his Jewish perspective, telling the story to a Jewish audience primarily. And then on the other hand, God speaks through Luke to tell, to tell Jesus' story. Well, Luke is able to tell it in a way that connects more with the Gentile or non-Jewish audience. And, and at the same time, he's a physician, and we see little things like that would come from a doctor, a medical kind of perspective at times in Luke's telling of the story. Isn't that interesting? Each writer inspired by God while exercising their own style within the God-breathed scripture. God's God incredible, isn't he?
1: breathed absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like the Old Testament prophecies. Hey, Barry, I'm going to need a new stand. <laughs> this thing's like traveling on me. I can get you one. Okay. Like the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah who would come hundreds of years in the future. Over 300 such prophecies. Now, these writers didn't just dream these things up themselves. No, God spoke through the prophets, spoke through the writers, planting these clues of the future. I love that. Clues of the future in the writings of the present. Thank you. It is your turn
0: very good. That was good timing, wasn't it? Yeah. God breathed. What I find incredible is how no matter where we are in our relationship with God, he's able to speak through us through the scripture. I was at Tri-State Christian Academy in Elkton the other day where our son is the principal. I was there a couple weeks ago leading chapel time for the students ages 3 to 11. Now, that's that's an interesting challenge. Uh, that's a pretty good age range, three to eleven, and um, and so I was led to uh, talk about Zacchaeus, and I, I figured, you know, many of the kids maybe already knew the story, but those that didn't, it's a great story, and and even with my singing voice, I didn't think they were going to be that critical about when we sang the song, and plus. The ones probably already, the older ones maybe knew the song, so they weren't going to have to depend on my voice so much for that. So, you know, we told the story, we shared the song, and, you know, everybody chimed in. And, and what was interesting is the, one, the older ones who maybe already knew the story, I know God was using that story again to teach them something new. Well, maybe some of the little guys who perhaps didn't quite know that story I was using it for them as well, and possibly teaching them something a little different as we went. And um, what's really incredible is we just shared that lesson here a couple of weeks ago. How many were here when we talked about Zacchaeus a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. And, 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 and so in big church, you guys learned something from the Zacchaeus lesson. In Little Chapel, they learned something. Uh, hopefully, what you learned was a little different than what they learned Maybe, maybe not. You know, God knows what you needed. God knows what they needed. You know, Um, uh, here's the thing. Since it's God breathed, God helps each of us get what we need from that scripture. Amen? Amen. Just like each time I read or hear a story from scripture, no matter how many times I've heard it or read it before, I get something from it. I find maybe a new uh, nuance or a new something, or it's because I'm different. And, and as I change, it changes with me and brings new things because God breathes something new into my understanding of these God breathed scriptures. We closed chapel time with Jesus Loves Me. You know what I love about that song because, you know, oh, He is big, but we are. Small, and you know what, even if, you're, uh, even if you're 6'3", you're small with God, right? You're still one of his kids. And, and here, like and, and in an age, whether you're three like those kids I do, or 65 like me, you know, we all can sing that song because it shares a very important truth of the Bible. Jesus loves me, this I know, and how do I know it? The Bible tells me. So, yeah.
1: I've had a lot of Bibles in my life. The one that made the biggest impact is this Bible. It's the Ryrie Study Bible. And the reason why is that this is the Bible that I used for the Bible study that rocked my world and changed my life it was the disciple Bible study I took it back in 1987 so it was a long time ago and I was um, uh, a young mom at the time and it was a 32 week Bible study a couple hours you know on a Sunday afternoon and um, this is the Bible where God's word really came to life for me I was no longer just reading the Bible as I began reading the pages. And it surveyed about 80% of the Bible, and I was just no longer reading the words, but God was using history and poetry and the laws and the prophets and the stories of, of Jesus to absolutely change my life, to change my relationship with God, and actually change my relationship With the people that I love and those around me. In fact, it informed, it changed my entire worldview. And it's not the the you know the page, but the words of God, word of God speak, coming out and jumping out. God breathed scriptures. And that's what God does when we open up our Bibles and we come with an open heart and a soft heart to hear what God wants us to know through the Holy Spirit. God's holy word contained in the scriptures can indeed change our entire life and make us new.
0: Mm. God's holy word, the Bible. In a message... um, From September 2017, entitled Your Amazing Bible, given by Pastor Skip Heitzig from Calvary Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he shares that there are three types of Bible people. One, the first, Carrie will share it with you.
1: Yeah, the first type is those who just consider the Bible another book. That's about 19% of the people. They're skeptical about what's in the Bible, and they recognize it as a source of, Good stories and advice, but that's about all.
0: And then there's a the second type where we find the majority. Uh, they consider the Bible an important book. Uh, you know, and it's thanks to these people that 88% of the households in America have a Bible, and not just one. The, the average household has 4.7 Bibles. 4.7 Bibles per household in this country. <laughs> For this second type, though, ownership of a Bible is strong, as we just mentioned, very strong, but reading the Bible and engaging what it says, not so strong. So it's important to have one, just not read it.
1: <laughs> so we have that bell curve, the 19%, the 88%, mm-hmm. now the we're back mm-hmm. to that 19% again of those who read the Bible on an average of four times a week, and people for whom the Bible shaped their worldview. Uh, For them, the Bible's not just a book, not just an important book, but the book that shapes and directs who they are. Now, you know, a lot of people fall between group two and group three, wanting the Bible to be more, wanting the Bible to shape them, To be the book. I think a lot of us know that that's the way it should be but sometimes it's tough to follow through and and take the time and really delve into what the scriptures say. It's really a priority thing in our lives. Now Satan loves it when all kinds of distractions enter our lives so that we don't have time to read the word of God's. And Satan really doesn't want us to read the word because if we read the word and we open our hearts to it, then our lives will change and then we'll be Mm -hmm. Christ followers. And that's about the last thing that the devil wants. It takes an investment of time and priority to be in that group three. And it also takes trust in the holy God, the one true God, that what's in here will, in fact, direct and inform our lives.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. We're reminded here of the prophet Ezekiel. And I'm going to preface this by uh, saying, you know, in, in the biblical times, the, the scriptures were written out on scrolls, uh, and they would unroll the scroll and read it like in the temple. And also in this passage, we're going to talk about a scroll. It's talking about the, the, the scriptures, the God, God-breathed scriptures of, of the Lord. Ezekiel 3, 1 through 4, New International Version. Ezekiel talking, the prophet, he said, He, the Lord, said to me, Ezekiel, son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And then he said to me, son of man, eat the scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and And it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And then he said to me, Son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them.
1: So this is an example of what it's like to be in group three. And the question is, are we going to be like Ezekiel and taste and see that the Lord is good Mm. through the scripture? Is that going to be us? Ezekiel ate the scroll. It tasted as sweet as honey. How many times have we opened the scroll and the Lord has given us just a a sweet, sweet um, sense of who he is? Are we willing to ingest the word of God, to gobble it up? Just think about that, gobbling up. God's word, and then he didn't just gobble it up, he shared the word, and so that's what we are called to do, too, to share about Jesus to a world who is desperately in need of a Savior.
0: Hmm. I often say that even though I went to seminary and earned a Master of Divinity degree, it was in Sunday school in VBS when I was a little guy where I learned the Bible stories, yeah, but it was later in life. In 87, back in that same disciple Bible study Carrie was sharing, where I really, really learned to study the Bible, to where I started moving from group two to group three, from it's an important book to it's the book, started ingesting God's word into my life. The Things changed when I took that study and learned to not just read it, but to study it, to ponder it, to to question it. You know, God's okay with us asking questions. That's how we learn. Uh, to, to question, to ponder, to ingest. It was in that Bible study that the Bible started really shaping my worldview. You know, looking at the world through the lens of Scripture rather than through my own Allen-centered, selfish lens. And it's continued to shape my worldview ever since. It was there that I learned to trust the Bible as a source of truth, the truth, God's truth, the, the truth which would be, well, it's the foundation of my life. I trust God, and I therefore can trust what is God-breathed, the scriptures, even when I don't fully understand every word. Anybody with me here? Every phrase, every thing. You know, I, well, I figure if I understand it all, then I'm on a level with God, and that ain't never going to happen. You know, there's some mysteries going to be there. Because yeah, it is God-breathed, and I just hope to un- un- unravel a few of them each time I read it, a few more. But I don't have to understand every single bit of it to trust it, to know that it is God-breathed and to know that it is the foundation for my life, my entire life, my being rests on the Word of God as expressed in those scriptures, the God-breathed, God-inspired Holy Bible.
1: So let's look at our scripture for the morning again. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, would you say it with me? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work.
0: Just because there's an interesting Bible where anybody been rebuked this week? That means like really <laughs> corrected pretty strongly.
1: (laughs) I didn't tell you about it, (coughs) but yes.
0: Uh Uh-oh. We'll talk later. (laughs) The scriptures then are useful for helping us to know right from wrong, to know what God expects and what God accepts, and, and to know what's unacceptable to God, to know what behavior we need forgiveness for and what behavior we need to strive toward. The God-breathed scriptures give the servants of God, that'd be us, all that we need so that thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what it says, every good work. Not some good work, we're equipped for every good work. The, The scriptures then give us insight into the mind of God, into God's expectations, into what it means to be in relationship with the creator of all things. What that means and what it doesn't mean. Paul is sharing this with Timothy. That's why it's called Second Timothy. It's the second letter he wrote to Timothy. Um, And and he's writing it when Timothy's being confronted with what the world will hit him with. He's he's in a church that we talk about heresy a few times. He's in a church, some heresy there, and, you know, he's going to be hit with some tough stuff. And, and, And Paul's telling him that he will have all that he needs to go to battle through the Scriptures, to know right from wrong, and to be able to put that knowledge into practice.
1: I had a friend who made some pretty bad mistakes, and she ended up in prison. And on one of my early visits with her, I took my Bible, this Bible, and um, read scripture to her and then realized that she didn't have a Bible. So I gave her this Bible. And she kept this Bible under her pillow. And on my next visit, you know, she told me how the Word of God gave her hope and a future in the midst of her circumstances. And so for 18 months, she kept this Bible with her and under her pillow every single night. And it breathed life into her in a pretty desperate situation. I had trouble parting with this at first, but it just makes it all the more precious to me because I know how it fed her and propped her up during a really, really dark time in her life. So this Bible is, is really meaningful. It's all taped up and everything. But then this is a Bible that actually y'all gave me. That's right, yeah. Um, October 2003, Pastor Appreciation Month, Connection <laughs> Church. And um, this Bible, when I look at it, I remember God's faithfulness. Because uh, a number of years now, I was... Um, in my Ford Explorer on a really snowy day and went across route one into traffic and my car hit two other cars. I'm so grateful to God that nobody was hurt. Cars were totaled, Um, but after I got out and saw that everybody was okay and we were waiting for, for the cops to come this Bible was in the seat right beside me. I, it was right there. And I, I grabbed it, and I held it. And I did one of these numbers, you know. <laughs> and it opened up to Psalm ninety-one-one, which is um, that we will find shelter, refuge um, in God. Hmm. And in that moment, when I felt, you know, horrible for something that was beyond my control, Truly, and um, I wasn't even cited because it was so far beyond my control. Because it was not; it was just bad, bad streets. But anyway, um, this word of God carried me through that that day and some days that followed as I dealt with with potentially hurting other people. And so I am just so grateful for the word of God because it really carries us through awesome times and through really tough times and challenging times.
0: Hmm. You know, sooner or later, we're all confronted with making decisions about what's right and wrong, knowing what God expects, what God accepts, knowing what's right in God's eyes. That's that word righteousness that we read in the scriptures. And the question is, what are we going to base those decisions on when that time comes? Thoughts, our own personal thoughts and feelings, based it on what your family tells you to do, or has told you, what friends tell you? Or will we base it on the God-breathed scriptures, the very, very word of God that is useful for teaching. Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness? Are you going to allow God to equip you for every good work? And, and the thing is, it's up to you. you know, we, we, we make that decision, it's, it, it, it's up to you. See, God's given you the tool. In fact, you may have 4.7 of them if you're an average American household. <laughs> hopefully, they aren't looking all pristine like they just came out of the box, especially if you've had it for a little while. Hopefully, or dusty. Hopefully, they have no dust on and They have a little bit of wear. Not abuse, but wear. God's giving you a tool. The question is, what are you going to do with it? You know, big, heavy body. You know, we have one of them big... Family Bibles my grandmother gave us when we got married. That's it's a King James. Are we it's not gotten a whole lot of use. It's, it would make a good doorstop, probably. Unfortunately, but you know what are you going to do with that Bible? Is it going to sit on a shelf? Of the three groups we talked about earlier, what group are you in? Number one, just another book that's got some good stories in it. It's a Doctor Phil book. Group two, important book that you own a couple of and may even get to reading someday when you have some time and energy with nothing else to do. You're part of group three, where it's the book that directs you and shapes your worldview. The book that is God-breathed and gives you all you need for God-focused, Christ-centered, spirit-filled living. Are you going to take the time and the energy it takes to not only read, but to study and ingest the book? To catch that sweetness as sweet as honey that comes from the word of God. That not only tells you where you came from, but where you're going Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a believer in Jesus Christ. (laughs) The book that tells you that Jesus loves you so much that he died on a cross for you. The book tells you he rose from the grave, rose from the dead, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. Amen. The book that tells you that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, you can't save yourself and it's Jesus and Jesus alone who does the saving. That's the book we're talking about this morning. And the question is, what are you going to do with this God-breathed book? What's your choice going to be? Let's pray. Holy God. Wow. I just want to say thank you for your God-breathed word. The word in print that, that tells us about the word made flesh, your son Jesus, who died for each of us. Lord, please help us to realize our need for your word in our lives. And not just look at it as another nice book that has some good advice and not just something that sits on a shelf, but Lord, please help us to realize that this is the book, the book that will shape us and guide us and direct our worldview in all that we do. Pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life He offers.